Well, I want to talk to you about something this morning that I want to see a show of hands. Yeah, um, the singers should have had a little bit of forewarning on this, but they probably didn't do anything about it. Um, I want to see if they did. Um, How many of you in here this morning, if I called on you and I pointed to you and I said, stand up and tell me the Ten Commandments could do it in order? Stand up, for real. Don't be embarrassed. If you could tell them to me in exact order, you're sure of it, stand up. That's what I thought. Thank you. Have a seat. That's scary, isn't it? Scary. Do you remember the judge that was in Alabama, wasn't it? That such an uproar over taking the Ten Commandments out of that courthouse. Y'all remember that? Even all of our righteous indignations flared up. How can they dare take the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse? How can they do that? That just can't be. But you know what? We have the Ten Commandments in most of our houses and hardly any of us know them. Isn't that right? It's scary because, you know, as you grow up as kids, you learned them maybe when you were in Sunday school, but you've forgotten them. And so uh, this morning what I want to do is I want to get into them just a few minutes and then I want to go on to something else and then show you what if somebody came up to you today and they said, David, okay, David, um, when we leave the service today, I want you to give me all the bills that you have. I'm going to pay them all off. I want you to tell me every dream and desire that you have. I'm going to take care of it for you. Money's no object. I'm going to take care of it for you. If you're sick with anything wrong in your body, From the top of your head to the soles of the feet, it's taken care of. No weakness, no problems. And, you know, all that sin that you did, all that lying that you did when you was a kid or stealing or all those things that you did wrong or you said or or you stole or you whatever you did, you know, affairs, whatever, no matter what it was, that's just erased. It's never there anymore. As soon as we get out of here, I'm going to take care of that. What would he do? You'd be pretty excited about it, wouldn't you? You'd be pretty excited about it. Well, let's look at some things about somebody that does that for us, but why it's not happening for people. Do y'all want to know why? Anybody got any bills in here that they'd like paid off? I'm raising my hands. Anybody got anything wrong in their body that they're standing against? Anybody got any condemnation, shouldn't have to Friday night, about anything that they've ever done... Shouldn't after Friday night. But um, let's look at this and look at it like you've never seen it before. Don't put your religious blinders on and see it in a way that you have seen it or not seen it or, or that tradition taught you. Let's look at it from the Word for a little bit today and so that we can get on to something else that I really have strong in my heart that I want to get to this morning. So y'all believe with me that we get through these Ten Commandments without getting stuck on them, all right? So um, turn with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy. Chapter 5, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, you know, right up in there, Jude. Singers, did y'all study the Ten Commandments after Friday night? Did y'all look at them? Y'all were out when I, yeah, I gave them a, a little heads up. I don't usually get my sermon ahead of time, but this time I actually did, which was a miracle. Usually it's last minute, but it was really good. The Lord himself 
told, I'll, I'll tell you this part. You won't have to turn there. But back in Exodus, I believe it's Exodus 19, the Lord told Moses, he said, um, tell the people to get ready that in three days I'm going to come to them and I'm going to talk to them. He told them, say, get your best clothes on, get ready. What would you do if the Lord was coming? I mean, you'd prepare, you'd do everything that you knew how to do, right? They, you know, they got ready, they got everything ready. And uh, so the Lord came and he appeared out of a cloud and uh, blew a trumpet so loud that the people got so scared that they couldn't get any closer to the Lord. And so they begged Moses and said, Moses, you know, don't make us get any closer. We'll die. Have y'all all, anybody read that, you know? Don't make us get any closer. We'll die. I mean, just this trumpet. If we hear the Lord's voice, surely we're going to die as loud as that was. You know, we're not ready for this. You go talk to him, Moses. That's the way a lot of people are, you know. You go talk to him, Moses, and you find out what he's saying, and you come back and tell us. Because, you know, we're scared. We're going to die if it gets any louder. So Moses did just that. The Lord talked to Moses. And he gave him the Ten Commandments. And not only did he give them to him, but he wrote them in tablets of stone. And so I want us to look at them this morning and see what the Lord is saying about it. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1. Does anybody not have a Bible or not have an Old Testament? It's real important that you have an Old Testament with you this morning. A lot of people may have a Bible, but not an Old Testament. If you would, raise your hands. Our ushers has got one that they will loan to you so that you can read from the Old Testament with us. I had put down in my notes that there was probably 10% of the people that could quote out of, you know, a regular normal church service, the Ten Commandments. You know, I'm hoping and believing God, no, I am commanding that our children learn the Ten Commandments, you know, in their classes. And you'll see why after we study this this morning. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1. And Moses called all of Israel... And said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep and do them. And the Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb, and the Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us who are here alive today. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire. And I, Moses, stood between the Lord and you at the time to show you the work of the Lord, for you were afraid by reason of the fire and would not go up to the mountain, saying, So here's where the Lord starts the commandments. If you ever wanted to know what they are, here they are. Mark them in your Bible. Highlight them. If you don't have a highlighter, maybe somebody around you does. Mark them. You'll understand the importance after we're done with this. Make sure. And like Brother Hagin used to say, if you don't have a Bible that you can write in, throw it away, go out there in the bookstore and buy one that you can write in. Because um, these are important. So um, um, the first one says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So that's the first commandment. I'm the Lord your God. You should have no other gods before me. Everybody remember that one now. Okay. He's God. Nothing else comes before him. Is that what you understand that to mean? I mean, pretty simple. I'm God. Nothing else comes before me. Okay. Number two. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. 
So that's number two. Thou shalt not make any graven image. A graven image can be anything from uh, like uh, Aaron, his family did. He came back from, they came back from the mountain. They'd all made the golden calf and all the other things. Uh, to a TV can be an image. I mean, it can be a, something you worship instead of God. So um, don't make any graven images before the Lord. Verse 9. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them or serve them like a TV. For I am the Lord thy God. I am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon their children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Now commandment number three. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. Now I won't get into that one. Keith taught on that when he was teaching on, uh, what did he teach on that, prayer? Was it on the prayer stuff? Yeah, not to take the Lord's name in vain. So uh, if you want to know more about taking the Lord's name in vain, he's got a detailed whole session almost on doing that back there. Um, That's number three, commandment number three, if you're keeping up with them. Number four, keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord God has commanded thee. So most people quote that as remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. That's number four. Six days shall you labor and do your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord God. In it thou shalt not do any work, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy maidservant, nor thy... Man, sir, man, then made uh, thy ox, thy ass, or any of your cattle, nor the stranger that is within your gates, thy manservant or thy maidservant may rest thou as well, or as well rest. And remember that when thou was a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out of thence through the mighty hand and by an outstretched arm, therefore the Lord God commands you to keep the Sabbath day. He didn't ask you, he commanded it. Number five, mark it, write it. If you're taking notes, this is number five. Honor your father and mother as the Lord God has commanded you that thy days may be prolonged and that it may be well with thee in the land which the Lord God gives thee. Now, today's society, parents have done their children such a terrible, terrible, terrible disservice. They don't honor anybody. You know, they, they don't mind when two adults are talking, just walking up and interrupting them. They don't respect their parents. They'll just go walk up and just do whatever, you know, interrupt, do whatever they need to do. Um, this is a command of the Lord. This is not something Faith Life Church says. This is not something Moses said. This is something that the Lord said. Honor your father and mother. And if you didn't do it for any other reason, teach them this. Look at, this, look at that part where it says um, that their days may be prolonged. And that it would go well with them. You should care enough about your kids to make sure that they honor because of that. Then, that's number five. Number six, real simple. You would think God wouldn't have to tell us this, but he did. Thou shalt not kill. No way to explain that. Just don't kill. Don't kill anybody. Number seven. Neither shalt thou commit adultery. Both of those, it's like 
the total of society that got so upset about those commandments being in the courthouse should just read them. You know? Not killing and committing. I mean, how many of you turn on the news and every time you turn on the news, somebody's killed somebody or somebody's committed adultery or some, you know, you, you see that, what is it, the senator up there in New Jersey now is all over the news. You just can't hardly turn it on. Well, what a disgrace, you know? To our government and uh, everything else, we're supposed to have respect for those people, you know. So uh, they need to be taught the Ten Commandments as well and the adultery part. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I couldn't have been his wife and stood there, so I wouldn't have been there, all right. So y'all can say what you want to, but I wouldn't have been there. Nope. Um, number eight, neither shalt thou steal. That means, employees, don't steal your boss's ink pens, pads, paper. It didn't say how big or how little. It said, thou shalt not steal. Don't steal his time. If you're at work eight hours, you work eight hours. If you're getting paid for eight hours. There's a lot more to stealing than going out and robbing a grocery store or a convenience store or a bank or something. Because what happens is people get in and they say, oh, this is just the petty cash. I'll just borrow it. And as soon as my check gets here, I'll get it put back. Well, then their check gets here and they don't have the money to put it back. And then what happens is they wind up having stolen money and their heart's condemning them. They can't believe for anything. So um, watch that. Do not steal. Do not steal time. Do not steal erasers off of pencils. It's not worth it for your faith. Say amen. Amen. Or say, oh me, I'm going to know something's going on. Y'all are too quiet. Uh, you don't want somebody thinking you're sitting at work stealing stuff. So, hallelujah, I'm not stealing. Glory to God. Yeah. I mean, steal nothing from your work. Just because you're employed there doesn't mean it belongs to you. You know, it's like our guys, I mean, they, I, I would never be concerned about any of that stuff. But the thing about it is just look at us as a ministry. I've heard it from other ministries and stuff like that. This is a ministry that people have sent their money in. You know, to get the gospel out. And um, these people are taking the stuff home with them to do what they want to do with it. And it has nothing pertaining to do. I mean, some people, some ministries, office bills for office supplies is ridiculous. Because people take it home with them. You know, that would be a sad thing for a ministry. You know, people giving their hard-earned money, you know, to get the gospel out. And people taking it home with them. It's bad. And I'm not talking about making a mistake and taking an ink pen home with you. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a a genuine thing like you see people in hotels taking the toilet paper home with them or taking the soap home with them or taking the, you know, um, towels home with them or the robes home with them. I can't get off of this one for some reason. I was going to go right past it. You know, you don't steal stuff from the hotel unless you want to reap somebody stealing stuff from you. You know, if they put that stuff in there and you use it, great, use it. If you don't, don't, you know, package it up and take it with you unless you plan on using it. Now, if you plan on using it and you need it, take it. But not, you know, not just to be stealing because you, you don't have... Stealing is a poverty mentality. Do you understand that? It's like, I'm not going to get it any other way. That's, I mean, and as long as you have that mentality and you are stealing, you will never prosper. It will nullify your prosperity because... What will happen is you will not be in faith because it's a poverty mentality. If you're stealing and that's the only way you can get it. So what the commandment says, not Phyllis, the commandment says, 
Number eight commandment of the Ten Commandments that everybody knows how important they are says, neither shalt thou steal. Does your Bible say that? All right. Then number nine, verse 20. Neither shall thou bear false witness against thy neighbor. Now, who is your neighbor? What does neighbor mean? Person nearby you. So it wouldn't be real good if Mo heard something on David and uh, he heard part of it, but to make it more juicy, he added lots and lots of parts to it and told everybody in the church about it, you know. I mean, that wouldn't be a good thing, right? And so um, don't be lying on your neighbor because that's a really, really bad seed to sow. And whether you believe it or not, sowing and reaping works in every area. It works in, if you're going to talk about people and God, that's the thing that I don't understand about people, is somebody will come to you and tell you all these bad, Barbara's going to come to me and tell me, oh, do you know um, what Andy did? Do you know what he did? you know what he did? You can tell me all these things and tell me all these things. What do I know she's going to do about me? If she's going to talk about him to me, then she's going to talk about this one to this one. And you know why people do that? Anybody got a clue why people do that? So that they look important, that they know something. Why would you want to do that? Because if you exalt yourself, what will happen? You'll be humbled. Pride goes before a fall. So um, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't, neighbor. don't lie about anybody. Ever. Okay? Then number 10. I know y'all don't like this, but that's okay. I didn't write it. I didn't write it. I have to live by it just like you do. So that's what people don't understand. They think that, that preachers are supernaturally anointed to live the word. They're not. They have to live the Word every day just exactly the same way that you live the Word. They have to get up and believe God every day for their healing, for their finances, for every area of their life just like you do. The only time that they get anointed is to preach the Word to people, not to live it. I have to live it just like you guys do. And number 10, neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, Neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house in his field, or his field, or his manservant, or his maidservant, or his ox, or his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's. Have you ever been believing God for something and see somebody with one and get on the track of they're going to give it to me? You don't have to raise your hand. We've all done it in our immaturity, young. Every person in here has probably done it. Seen somebody with something that you were believing for? And start almost claiming theirs. That's what that's talking about. Listen to the Living Bible. Guys, have y'all got that back there? Who's back there? JJ? Can't see who's back there. The Living Bible says you must not burn with desire for another man's wife. Uh Uh-oh. So what do you do if you do burn with desire for another man's wife? You put your flesh under best thing is not to go around them. Nor envy him for his home. Do you know, Brother Copeland tells a story about people, tell, I mean, they've gotten some of the nastiest letters about their home, and you know what the biggest reason is? Jealousy. 
Envy. Why would somebody care whether you had something nice? Jealous. They want it. They're jealous. They want what you have. Okay? Um, For his land or his servants or his oxen or his donkey or his car. You know, that's what it was talking about. His car or even his dog or anything else he owns. You know? Don't be desirous of another man's stuff. Don't get your eyes on any man's stuff. That's not your source. Okay, now we've read those Ten Commandments. And most people knew them. They couldn't quote them, but they knew them, right? Now, how many of you can tell me you knew those, but you couldn't quote them? You've heard them. You couldn't quote them. All right, good. All right, verse 22. These words the Lord spoke unto you and your assembly in the mount, out of the midst of the fire of the cloud, and out of the thick darkness, and with a great voice, and he added no more. And who does it say wrote those? And he wrote them on two tables of stone and delivered them unto me. Skip down to verse 29. He tells Moses this. Now, you can just sense the heart of God as he's telling Moses this. Read this with me. Oh, that there was such a heart in them. Now, who is he talking about? The Israelites. Oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commands always. Now, why does he want them to do that? That it may be well with them and their children forever. Oh, that they would just do it. Why? So that it would be well with them and their children forever. Has it ever not been well with you or your children? Verse 30. Go and say unto them, get back into your tents, you little scaredy babies, and... um, But as for you, Moses, stay here with me, and I'll speak to thee all the commandments and statutes and judgments which you shall teach them, that they may observe to do them in the land which I give them to go and possess. Verse 32. You shall observe to do, therefore, as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord has commanded you, and you may live... And it may be well with you, and your days may be prolonged in the land which you possess. The Living Bible. And they're putting the Living Bible up there on the screen so that you guys can see what it's saying too. Moses told the people, verse 32, You must obey all the commandments of the Lord your God. Follow His directions in every detail. Going the whole way. He has laid out for you. Every detail going the whole way that he's laid out for you. Now what does the next verse 33. What's the first two words of that? Verse 33. Is this the living Bible? We're missing something here. Um, Only then you'll live long and prosperous lives. Let's see what I've got here. How I got it mixed up here. We got it mixed up somewhere. But it says only then in the living Bible. I thought that was what that was. We may have two different ones. The new living. Only then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land that you are entering in to possess. Only then you're going to live those kind of lives. Now, 
turn to Deuteronomy 6.1 in your Bible there. And I know we're looking at a bunch of scriptures this morning, but you've got to understand, we've got to lay a foundation for this because I don't want anybody thinking it's anything that Faith Life Church says or I said. This is the Lord's commandments. This is what He said. This is how He said, if you want to have the things that I was just talking about with David, this is how to get them. Now, these are the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded you commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go in to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God and keep his statutes and his commandments which he gives us to our sons and to our sons' sons all the days of their lives that their days may be prolonged. How many of you, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but um, how many of you have taught the Ten Commandments to your kids? There's my 10%. Let's keep reading then. You'll see why I'm asking that. The Living Bible says, and I don't know, it must not be the exact same Living Bible. One may be the New Living and one may just be the Living. So uh, they can put it up there. The purpose of these laws is to cause you and your sons and your grandsons to reverence the Lord your God by obeying all of His instructions as long as you live. If you do, you will have a long and prosperous years ahead of you, if you do. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of our fathers has promised thee, in the land that flows with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, he is one Lord. And then verse 5 in the King James Version. I know I'm going back and forth, but I'm just, I want you to understand how many times that are we're saying that you'll live long and prosper, that it'll go well with you. Are you hearing those? Yeah. Notice them every time we say them. Verse 5. And that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sit at thy table. And when thou walkest in the way. And when thou liest down. And when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon thy post of thy house and upon thy gates. Listen to the Living Bible again. You must think constantly about these commandments I'm giving you today. You must teach them to your children and talk about them. When you are at home or out on a walk, see on a journey, that one says, and at bedtime and the first thing in the morning, tie them on your finger. Now, why would you tie something on your finger? You know, we like say tie a rope or string around your finger. What, what's that purpose of that? To remember it. And wear them on your forehead. Now that's pretty serious to wear the Ten Commandments on your forehead. How would you like to have the Ten Commandments plastered across your forehead? That would be special. (laughs) I don't think your makeup would cover it. But this is the Lord talking. Okay? That's how serious He is about us keeping these Ten Commandments before our eyes. And then shall it be when the Lord your God 
shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto your fathers, unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities. Now, have you ever heard this before? Which you builded not, houses full of things that you didn't fill, and wells dig that you didn't dig, and vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you will eat and be full. Now, I've heard people quote that over and over and over again. I'm going to have that. Houses that, you know, I didn't fill and wells I didn't dig. What about the first part? Do they know that first part? Then verse 12. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now, I know people think, I wish she'd quit reading all the scripture and just get on to the sermon. But do you not understand that the very most important thing that we can do in here today is hear what God said? What I have to say about what God said is not as important what God said. I mean, if you have to put a content label like Keith used to say on a can, what I have to say about what God said, the content wouldn't be the same as the 100% God said. So it's very important that you don't lose sight of what we're doing here and you don't get frustrated because, I mean, most people don't read their Bibles enough. I mean, I know we're reading the New Testament, but we should read some in the Old Testament sometime, right? Okay, so uh, don't get frustrated because we'll get on to something else here in just a minute. Hang with me, okay? Verse 17. Skip a few verses here. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord. Why? That it may be well with thee. And that thou may go in and possess the good land, which the Lord sware unto our fathers. To cast out all thine enemies before thee, as the Lord has spoken. The Living Bible. You must actively obey him in everything he commands. Only then will you be doing what is right and good in the Lord's eyes. If you obey him, then it will go well for you. And you will be able to go in and possess the good land that the Lord has promised you and your ancestors. Now verse 19 in the Living Bible is just great. You will also be able to throw out all enemies living on your land as the Lord has agreed to help you. You'll be able to. Verse 20. Y'all hang in. And when thy son asked thee in the time to come, saying, What means the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto your son, We were Pharaoh's bondsmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed us signs and wonders and great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all the household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in and to give us a land which he swore unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God, For our good always. Now mark that in your Bible. Why did he tell you to do this? For our good always. That he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness. Y'all heard that recently? 
if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord God as he has commanded us. Verse 25 in the living says, for it always goes well with us when we obey all the laws of the Lord our God. Now, it's real easy in situations like this to say, yeah, yeah, that's real good. That's real good. And not make any changes here. But let me ask you a question. Whose inheritance and whose seed are we from the Bible? We are the seed of Abraham. We used to sing that in children's church. I am the seed of Abraham. How's it go? His blessing rests on me. Something like that. You can tell how good I can sing. Um, It's a good song. Good song. We ought to teach it to our kids. But we are the seed of Abraham. Okay? Everybody in here agree with that. All right? Anybody disagree with it? Go back and study your Bible just a little bit. We are the seed of Abraham. What did Abraham have? Was Abraham rich? Was he blessed? Did he have the favor of the Lord? Did God talk to him? Was he healthy? Were his kids healthy and blessed? Was his whole life, everything about him healthy and blessed? I mean, the lands couldn't even contain him because he had so much blessing upon him. And we are his seed. Well, let me ask you one question then. Why was Abraham blessed? Turn with me to Genesis. Blessing does not just happen in people's lives. It doesn't just fall on them in spite of everything that they say and do. Doesn't just happen that that one person in the crowd is blessed and they're sitting on the same row getting the exact same word. You could start, say, start on the second row. Say, Jim and Giovanna, they're blessed. I mean, okay, so then they've got somebody sitting right next to them. They, they may not be blessed. You may be blessed. You may not be blessed. And it goes on. Why can that be when you're hearing exactly the same thing? Why can it be? Let's see what God says why it can be. Genesis 18, 18. Y'all should be able to find Genesis. Eighteen, eighteen. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Right? Verse 19. Mark it. Put stars around it. Put it on your forehead. This is the Lord talking. And he says, because I know him. Because I know Abraham, God says. I know Abraham that he will talk to his children and and have them consider the possibilities He will command his children and his household, that means his servants, his employees, his household. They called a household everybody that helped him in their household. 
His children is one thing. His household is another thing. After him, that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord will bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Now, why was God able to bless Abraham? Get the, get the picture here. What did it say? Don't add to it or take from it. It knew it. Yes, he knew him. But what did he know about him? That he was going to command, command his children that they follow the statutes of the Lord. He was not going to ask them and reason with them in the grocery store to honor their mother and father. He's not going to consider that they might be obedient to their parents. He's not going to consider that it would be okay for them to go steal somebody's sheep. He's not going to consider that it would be okay if one of his sons goes out and have an affair. He's not going to consider that his kids might have the possibility of worshiping anything other than God and putting anything other than God first in their lives. We read where what the parents do can go down, how many generations did we read? Three, four generations. What's happened in our society today with parents in general? The 60s came along. And they said, we're not going to raise our kids the way that they did because their kids were so bound up that they had to get free in the 60s and do all those wild things. So, I mean, just recently, I had some people, and they were looking at me, and they thought it was a really good thing. And they didn't know how I was feeling on the inside the whole time they were telling me. They said, "Um, we just kind of let our children express themselves the way they desire. And I had gotten something new, and I was really proud of it. And they were trying to destroy it. And I didn't let them. Because if parents aren't smart enough to tell their kids, no, you don't destroy somebody else's stuff, then somebody should tell them, no, you don't destroy somebody else's stuff. We have made a commitment, for those of you who do have kids down there, they're going to know these commandments. And I know some of you think, well, she's not, she's not realizing, well, the Lord gave us new commandments in the New Testament. Yeah, we're going to get to those in just a minute. But why was Abraham blessed? Don't add to it. Because he would command his children to obey the Lord and keep his statues. Now, what would we have in today's society as a whole? If every one of us that are... How many of you are the seed of Abraham in here? Everybody should raise two hands and three feet and claim it with everything in their being. What would we have if we had generation after generation after generation after generation after generation that taught their kids to live by those Ten Commandments? What would we have in today's society? I know when I was little, thank God for parents that's got some sense. I do. 
I thank God for parents like that. When I was little, I remember. I, I can remember it to this day because it was always such a treat for us. I know my mother and daddy. We didn't have a lot of money when we grew up. But we didn't know it because every Friday night they would take us when we were the little bittiest things. I can remember it just as plain as I can remember. There was this restaurant called Fitzgerald's and it was on the water. And we would go and eat crab. Me and my two sisters, three little bitty kids in a restaurant with white tablecloths, fancy, nice. And my parents didn't yell at us and tell us that we couldn't run over to that table and scream and yell. And that we couldn't run around the restaurant and go do this. And that we couldn't make such distractions that people that were paying high prices for their meals couldn't enjoy their meals because the kids were screaming. They taught us at home. So that when we got out in public, they didn't have to yell at us when we were in public. You don't have to be concerned. And, And I was... I mean, I had a genuine fear that I knew enough to know, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Teach children the the rightful respect, not a fear that you're going to beat them to death, but a fear that there's going to be consequences. A fear that there's going to be something that they have to deal with if they're not obedient to the instructions of their parents. Parents think they're doing their kids a wonderful favor by being their friend today. They're not. Abraham did not suggest to his children that they obey God. What did Abraham do with Isaac? He gave Isaac a choice and he said, Now son... We got something we're going to do today, and uh, I need to ask you if it's okay. I need to ask you if it would be okay if we do this here today, and if you don't think so, we just won't do it. You okay with doing this today? You feel good? What did he do? He got him up that morning, he got him dressed, didn't even tell his mama. Probably a good thing. She'd have probably killed him. <laughs> Got that boy, grabbed him by the arm, said, let's go. That boy didn't say, I don't feel like getting up right now, Daddy. I don't feel like going with you. I want to stay here and play football. I don't want to go. I don't want to go worship the Lord with you today. That's what they thought they were going to do. He was going to worship the Lord and offer a sacrifice to the Lord. That's what Isaac thought he was going to do. Go offer a sacrifice to the Lord. Isaac didn't have a choice, did he? Because Abraham commanded his kids as to what they should do. Now, we're Abraham's seed if, if, if we obey the commands. It'll go well with us and with our children and with our grandchildren and our, everybody around us. Now, I know people say, well, now, Mrs. Moore, you don't have any kids. You just don't understand what it's like to raise kids today. No, but I was a kid. And I know how rebellious kids can be. And I know how when parents love their kids 
and teach them right. Just the other day, I was talking with somebody and I said, I've got three sisters. None of us were on drugs or drinking or any of those things. We'd have been scared to death to come in drunk. To death. I'm not kidding you. I would have been literally scared to come in drunk sometime. I know you're quiet. I know. I, I see it on your faces. But they didn't give me a choice. You're not going drinking or you're not going out again. Period. And I knew they meant it. It wasn't going to be optional if I came in drunk that maybe I could convince my way and smile and show my dimples and my daddy loved me. That's why he did it. He's right. But God chose Abraham. And I spent way more time on that than what I was intending to. That's not even my point this morning. Didn't even have any of that in my notes. But God chose Abraham. Why? Don't lose sight of it. Say it with me. Why did God choose Abraham? Because he commanded his children and his household after him. Now, what was Abraham's focus from the time he got up in the morning? The Lord. What was Abraham's focus at lunch when he laid down, as it said? When he rose up? Read about him sometime. If you're not clear on it, read about him again. But Abraham was chosen to be for generations that we, he is our father because the Lord knew he would command his children what to do. That's a serious thing. So don't lose sight of it. Now, let's do what I really had on my heart to do this morning, but the Lord has a heart too, and, and you know, he may want to do something else. Let's turn now to the New Testament. And talk about what the New Testament says about the commandments. Let's turn to Matthew 22, 35. And y'all can't get mad at me because I hadn't gone as long as Keith. So <laughs> Matthew 22, 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And the first, this is the first and great commandment and the second one is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now turn to Mark 12 in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you this because I've heard some reports about children's or the classes or something like that. has nothing to do with it. I get through these reports and all it says on it is class was great. Class was wonderful. The kids are wonderful. We love it that we're smaller now. It's just great, you know. Nothing to that extent. I'm telling you this because it will affect your life. 
It's affecting your life as to why you don't have the finances that you're believing for, why you don't have the healing that you're believing for, why you don't have the answers to the questions that you're believing for. Mark 12, 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, in other words, he was pleased with the way Jesus was saying stuff, he asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first commandment of all is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment, and the second one is likely. Namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's none other commandment greater than these. Loving the Lord. I want you to look at verse 33. Skip down to verse 33. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your soul and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. In other words... It doesn't matter how much money that you put in the plate or how much you say or how much you do. or All the sacrifices don't mean anything without you loving the Lord. Everything that you sacrifice, what you call yourself doing, doesn't mean anything unless you love the Lord. Now, that should sound familiar to you, yeah, because if you'll mark it there in your Bible, if you're um, like a student of the Word and just study it constantly or something, you'll notice that that was the same exact verse that was in Deuteronomy 6, 5. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, thy might. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, this is very, 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 very exciting. I told you I was excited. Y'all didn't get excited with me yet, but you will. You will. You got, sometimes you've got to lay some stuff down so that people can see what, what things are. Um, what, why wouldn't you say, I was the person that was going to give David all that stuff? I mean, I have it within my means to do it, and I'm going to give it to him. I've seen small wars fought over people wanting to get close to people with money. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, they'll be their friend. You know, they find out somebody's got money and, hey, bud, that's it. You know, they become best buds quickly. You know. But why wouldn't someone, if I told them, like I told David or I told Mo, I told any, anybody in here that I was going to take care of everything that was wrong in their life for them, why wouldn't they love me? Why wouldn't they want to do whatever was necessary in order to make that happen? Nobody knows any reasons, right? I know big reasons. Total selfishness. Because God is not first in people's lives. What does Matthew 6.33 say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God 
gave him, I mean, he, gave, he sent Jesus for us. He gave Jesus for us so that we don't have to go to hell. Now, if he didn't do anything else for us, we should wake up in the morning from the time we get up till the time we go to bed thanking him. Have you ever been someplace that's really, really hot? I mean, really, really hot. Were you glad to get out of there and get in some air conditioning? What if you would never be able to get in any air conditioning and be in torment? You think you've got torment here. What if you went to hell? It would be awful. For that reason alone, we should just get up in the morning first off the top of our mouths. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that I don't have to go to hell. Thank you, Lord. 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 How many of you in here have family members that you know right now if they would get saved and turn their life over to the Lord and get in church, their whole lives would go down a different path and be changed. How many of you know people like that? That's how I feel sometime this morning. I know. I know that I know that I know. Keith and I have been so, so blessed. I mean, I can't tell you how blessed we have been. We have been, I mean, the more the years go, I, I can't hardly wait to see what 10 years from now is going to be because I already have everything my heart desires. I've got a wonderful marriage, a wonderful home, a wonderful cars to drive, the best church in the whole wide world, a wonderful family. We are so blessed. And just as my parents would correct me and tell me I'm not going to act that way and I'm not going to do that, being for my own good, I can see it in people's lives in here today. I can see it because I know some things that's going on with people. And I know, I know, if they would just press in and do what God wants them to do, their lives would be so different. I mean, you wouldn't have to pray about your finances anymore. You wouldn't have to pray about your healing anymore. You wouldn't have to pray about your kids anymore. You wouldn't have to pray about your family anymore. If you would just be obedient to loving the Lord. That's all he asks us to do is love him. He's the best friend a friend could ever have. He's got every answer and the right answer every time. Now you've got friends that you love, right? But they don't compare to God. And you love them. And you'd cry crocodile tears if something happened to him. I mean, Keith is my best friend. And if something happened to him, man, I just don't know if I'd want to exist. But he don't know all the answers. He didn't die for me and go to hell for me. He didn't give me the Holy Ghost to give me all the answers. He didn't tell me. Well, he did tell me that. That he would, if I'd just hang with him, we'd get ahead one of these days and he'd give me my own checking account. Yeah, he did tell me that. (laughs) And he's done it too, I'm telling you. But he, as much as I love him, I mean, I love him with every fiber of my being. I just don't know if I could go a day. It's difficult. I mean, last night he gets out of church. We're on the, it's been four hours since we've seen each other, five, and we're on the phone for two or three hours. 
everything that's going on, about the airplane, about the service, and about Mike and Barb, and about, I mean, everything. Because I love him, and I want to be with him. And not only do I want to be with him, but I want to do what blesses him. If I know that something makes him happy, my checking account, not Karen standing there. Stand up, Karen. I want people to see the face. My checking account that I've gotten since the day I got it has been 98% what? What have I spent my money on? Brother Moore. 98% of it. Because I love him. I want to do what he wants me to do. I don't want to do things that hurt him. If he said, Phil, would you go do this for me? You can bet you I'm there. Because I love him. I love him with all my heart. But it cannot remotely compare to the love I have for my God. And what he's done for me. And how people cannot pick up and move from Tulsa and leave everything that they've got because the Lord says move to Branson. How they can not do what he asked them to do is beyond me. When he gave everything he had for us. How would you like to have to sacrifice your son for somebody that you don't even know? That doesn't even love you? That mistreats you and talks ill about you. But you gave your son for him. All the Lord asks is that we love him. Now when you love somebody. um, I mean there's a lot of married people in here today. Right? Raise your hand if you're married. When you love somebody. Maybe not now after you've been married 40 years. Okay? But when you first got married. Your every thought or before you got married, say a few months before you got married, was on how you could bless them. Write them poems, do things for them, take them places they like to go, buy them things that they like, do things for them, right? How much more should we be that way with the Lord? I can't even imagine the Lord asking us to do something and us saying, I don't think so. I don't think so, God. I don't want to move to Branson. What's in Branson? Who's in Branson? Why would I want to do that, Lord? But then the next week, I go to him and I say, Lord, you know, I got this bad kidney infection, Lord, and I need you to heal me. Please, God, heal me. Please, God, heal me. He's merciful. He'll do it. Lord, I'm broke. My bills are six months past due. My car's a wreck. Everything I've got's going down the tube. Well, I asked you to get involved with this and, and go to the mission field. That's where your prosperity is. I asked you to work here. People think, well, they think, okay, well, she's trying to say, well, get involved at the church. No, I'm not trying to tell you that. I'm trying to tell you there's people that's got secular jobs even that God's told them to do, and they've not done it. There's places God's told people to go. There's things God's told people to do. 
Quit doing this. Quit saying this. Just the other night, I'm going to tell off on myself and Dave, because I tell off on myself and he was there, so he got in trouble too. So, <laughs> Just the other night, pleasing Keith. I thought about it, but it wasn't pleasing Keith. It was pleasing the Lord, but Keith saw it. We were at this, this restaurant, and there was this man in there and this woman in there, and they were just high as a kite. We were trying to eat. And, I mean, they were so obnoxious. They were just falling all over and drunk and doing crazy things and cussing, using some of the most foul language that I just don't even like to hear. And, I mean, all over. The, just, And we were commenting about it, you know. We said something about it. How can they do that? What are they doing? You know? Turns out Dave knew him. Went to school with him. One of Dave's friends. (laughs) But anyhow, they are going away and we're commenting about how terrible that is and, you know, and not good things. And we got away. And Keith said, Phil, he said, I'm, I don't know if you realize what you did. Now, I don't have to tell you this, okay? I don't know if you realized what you did, but that is the very tool that the devil uses against people in the world to hear some Christians say, look at them. Prop themselves up on a pedestal. He said, but except for the grace of God, we could all be there. So out of love and respect for Keith, I know better than to do that kind of thing again. Not only because I know the Lord doesn't want me to do it, but just out of genuine respect for Keith, him being the pastor of this church, me being his wife, it wouldn't be good for me to make fun of somebody and them hear me. What if they would have overheard us making fun of them? I mean, if we weren't really making fun, we were just kind of irritated a little bit. Like, pray that they go away. And maybe they were there that we would pray for them instead of that they would go away. But we're human just like you. So what my point is, the Lord says pray for them. Simple task. How much do you do it? Do you walk away and think, oh, let them take care of their self. When the Lord puts it on your heart to pray for somebody, what do you do? When the Lord says, read your Bible, what do you do? When the Lord says, go there for me. When the Lord says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. The Lord said it. People wonder why things have not changed in their lives. They've been making the right confessions. They've been sowing their seed. They've been putting money in by rote. But unless you do what the Lord tells you to do, then and only then will it go well with you and you'll prosper. Then and only then. Say, for instance, somebody came up to me and said, uh, Miss Moore, say Carol Ann's going to make a big pot of gumbo one day, you know. And she says, Miss Moore, how do you make gumbo? Tell me how to make it. I'm going to make some gumbo. Well, okay, what you do? You get a big pot because you, when you make gumbo, you don't want to have to run out, okay? 
so you get a big pot and you get you some flour and some oil and you make a roux and you put you some seasoning in it and stuff and you let it cook all day long. You got time to go sweep, sweep the four by threes and ride in your P-Row. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, do you? My mama knows what I'm talking about. A P-Row is a boat. And your four by twos is a two by four. Okay? You got time to do all that while you're cooking your gumbo. And I say, you do that, and you make all your roux, and then you add some water to it. And then you've got to cook chicken, and uh, you, put, you take the meat off the bone of the chicken, and you put it in there. Then you get you some, some good seafood, some good oysters, and some good shrimp, and some good crab. And Dave's shaking his head. He don't eat vegetables or seafood. And, um, um, yeah, he needs to get delivered, doesn't he? I didn't say that. I bet he'd do it if God told him to. Um, so anyway, you, you got your big pot there and you, you put your, your shrimp in and you put your crab in and you put your oysters in, you know. You put your chicken in, whatever you like in, in your gumbo. And you let it cook. And then you get you some rice and another boiler and you cook you a big pan of rice. Then you get your bowl out and you put your rice in there and you put your good gumbo over the... Oh, I told Keith my sermon. He said, have me some when I get home. And uh, you cook it. And so I tell her the recipe. You know, I tell her exactly how to make it. Tell her what she needs to do. Give her all of it. Tell her the times, everything that she needs to do. So she comes back next Sunday. And I say, so how'd your gumbo turn out? How'd your gumbo turn out? Well, you must not be a very good cook. Because it was lousy. Lousy. I said, well, tell me what you did. Tell me what you did. Well, I got out my pot, and I went to the cupboard, and I didn't have any flour, so I used some cornmeal. <laughs> and our water really doesn't taste that good, so I used milk instead of water. And then when I got ready for my other ingredients, you know, we don't, around here, don't really have that great of seafood and stuff, so... Um, um, instead of my oysters, I, use, I could find a can of anchovies at the grocery store, so I used them. And um, instead, of, instead of the shrimp, I just used some bacon, you know, because we had bacon in the house, you know. It'll save us a lot of money because we had bacon in the house, you know. And it uh, takes less time, you know, to go, than to go to the store and, and fool with all that. So I just, you know. And uh, then instead of the crab, you know, you used um, ground beef, you know. Uh, my mama's going to lose it over there. <laughs> and um, instead, you know, and so I put all that in the pan and, I, you know, I let it all cook, you know. And um, instead of the, um, the chicken, I, we didn't have that, but we had some hot dogs, you know, and they were still good. So we used some of that, you know. And um, I cooked it. I cooked it long as you said cook it. I did. I stayed there with it. I stirred it all day, and I cooked it, and I cooked it, and I, was, I worked on it all day long. I mean, I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and I worked to make that gumbo. And, you know, we ran out of rice. I forgot my husband used the last bit of rice, so I just used the spaghetti. You know? And, and so I just look at her, you know, and I think, well, you didn't make gumbo. Well, I worked on it all day long. You've got to understand, I worked on it all day long. I did it. I made the gumbo. It just didn't turn out right. 
Didn't turn out right at all. Turn to me to one last scripture. It's a good one. Deuteronomy 4. Deuteronomy 4.1. Now, listen up. Hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and all the judgments which I teach you for to do them, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God, your Father, has given you. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. You shall not add unto the word which I command you. Neither shall you diminish aught from it. That you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I have commanded you. Now I think somewhere. See if I can find it here real quickly again. So that you can put them together. The Living Bible, in um, let's see, that was um, 5:32. Y'all got a Living Bible at home? Said this. We read it. Moses told the people, "You must obey all the commandments of the Lord your God, following his following his directions in every detail, going the whole way which he's laid out for you." Now, the Lord says, Keith and Phyllis, pack up everything you have, even your little Mandy dog, and move to Branson. Okay, Lord, we'll get right on it three years later. What would have happened if we would have made the... I mean, we're going to do it. We have it full, completely in our hearts. We're going to do it, God. We're not going to be disobedient. We're going to do it. We're going to go to Branson. I mean, we've been here, what, let's see, two years and five months started the church. We've been here actually a little longer than that, two years, six months, seven months. What if we hadn't have done it as quickly as he told us to do it? Would that have mattered? Would things have turned out the same? Okay. We come to Branson, and we start looking at buildings. And the Lord says, get that building. And we say, God, that's got some big payments on that building with no congregation. How are we going to pay that, God? How are we going to do that? We'll move to Branson, God, but we, we're not in that building. It's too much for us right now. It's too big for us. We'll do like everybody else. We'll get us a little storefront. We'll start. And we'll grow. We'll save up our money. We'll grow. And we're being obedient to God. We're, we're doing it. We're starting a church. Where would we be today? In a little storefront. Do you see the importance of doing 
what the Lord tells you to do the way he tells you to do it. It's real easy to add to or diminish from what God's told you to do. God is not a God that makes it hard for you to hear. He loves you. He wants you to hear. He, of all people, wants you blessed. He wants you healed. He wants you prosperous. He wants you having his best. And just like what I was saying earlier, just like you have family members in your life that you know if they'd come in and get some word in them, their lives would be different. I know that I know that I know if people in this congregation sitting right here today, not thinking about somebody else that should have been here today, not thinking about your neighbor sitting beside you, you, yourself, me, myself, do exactly what the Lord tells us to do when he tells us to do it, things will be different in our lives. If you love somebody the way that the Lord loves us, that he gave himself for us, he didn't have to do what he did for us. Why wouldn't we love him? When, I mean, that's what's so bad, is, is that people listen to the devil more than they listen to God. Would I be prospering today in Tulsa? I would still be serving God. I'd still be traveling. I'd still be going to churches everywhere. We'd still be in the ministry. We'd still be doing, serving God to the best of our ability. I mean, working, doing, you know, doing the ministry, doing the work of the ministry continuously. But would I be in his perfect will? Could he bless me perfectly? It's not okay just to do the work of the ministry or just to do your job or just to come to church or just to pray for that person. You have to do it completely because you love God. Because you love Him. No other reason than because you love Him. Because if you do it, then He can bless you. So, God, light comes on. Why wouldn't I do it? Got the best house I've ever had. Got a brand new boat. Well, not brand new, but new to me. Nice cars, a wonderful marriage, a wonderful best church in the whole wide world. When all he wants for me is best. The same way Keith wanted best for me. The other night when he said, Phil, you would have embarrassed yourself if that guy, it would have been real embarrassing to you if that guy would have heard you say, you know, some of the things that you said. Because he's looking out for me. Looking out for me. God is looking out for you continuously. And he knows the very best slot, the very best place. He knows the best chair for you to sit in. He knows the best outfit for you to wear. He knows the best way to fix your hair. He knows the best job for you to have. He knows how much you're supposed to give. He knows everything that you need to do. And if you'll just start. Some people, the, the first thing that they could start to do to obey God would be to do to keep his commandments, teach them to their kids when they rise up in the morning, when they go to bed at night, to honor their father and mother. Love the Lord. Teach your kids to love the Lord that way. Teach two-year-olds, what does the Lord want us to do today? 
Teach five-year-olds. Well, let's ask the Lord what you should do with that. So that when they get to be our age, it's just like a natural thing for them to do what the Lord wants them to do. And not only will they be blessed, but you'll be gone four generations and their kids will be blessed. And your grandkids will be blessed. And your great-grandkids will be blessed because you commanded your kids in the way to go and commanded them to love the Lord. Stand up with me this morning. I don't know if you got the seriousness of, of some of the things that I was talking about, but what I don't see sometimes with people is why they would shy away from the Lord when everything that they want. I told David that. Meet me here at 2 o'clock and I'm going to do everything that your heart desires for you. Why wouldn't he meet me there? Why wouldn't he? Because he had other things going. Something pressing came up. My kids, my job, my house, my parents, my this, my that. Nothing, nothing is more important than you loving God. That is the very first commandment. That is the only thing that we have to live by. That is the only thing that will draw other people to God. Is them seeing you blessed, healed, prosperous, instead of broke, defeated, depressed, sick. This is the way to get it. I want us to sing about loving the Lord this morning. And I don't care if you've ever, never lifted your hands. I don't care if you've never sang a word out in public. I want you to love the Lord this morning. And I want you to commit to Him. Only if you want to now. Don't, I mean, God's not going to make you do anything. The devil will make you do lots of stuff. Like be sick and be broke. And depressed. And defeated. But God won't do that. So I want you this morning to love Him. I want you to sing to Him and I want you to worship Him and tell Him that you love Him this morning. I don't care, like I said, if you've never sung a word in your life, I want you to do it this morning. Make a commitment to Him to do it.